Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this weekend was our No Regrets Conference weekend, and so we had all the guys of our church from the surrounding area had come in yesterday to really spend some time focusing on God and where we were really challenged with our daily walk. So as you can see up here today, we've got all the men leading. Uh, these are the same men that led yesterday, and so we'll be leading out today as we sing. Uh, if you're worshiping online with us today, uh, at our 9 o'clock service, we will have hosts online to pray with you. So if you would like prayer, go ahead, click on that chat, uh, the prayer, request prayer button, and somebody will jump in with you. If you're online, click on the chat, engage, let people know you're there, and start chatting it up as we go. Uh, so as we spend time today, I really want to reflect on our great God, who he was, and what we owe him. And when we read in Revelation 15, it really talks a little bit about how great our God is. And in Revelation 15, 3 and 4, it says, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God of the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts are revealed. So stand with us now and let's sing to God, the one who is all glory. Let our praise be your welcome. Let our song be a sign we are here for you we are here for you let your breath come from heaven fill our hearts with your life we are here for you We are here for you. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy. God, let your fire fall down. Our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden, you are our one. 
We've got a new one that we sang yesterday, so sing along as you pick it up.
Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me You guys sounded absolutely great. God's grace is amazing, isn't it? I love the idea that sin has been arrested. You know, we're free because of who we are in Christ. And that is definitely something to uh, celebrate as we come before the Lord this morning to celebrate um, communion together. I've got several friends of mine that um, are preparing themselves already for Easter. <laughs> and so we got 60 days, April 9th, Easter's coming up. And uh, as a part of their preparation, we've been talking about you know, how do we prepare ourselves uh, for that special holiday? It is a special holiday. And some of the conversations have been about, well, I'm giving up this, or I'm giving up that, or I'm taking a cold shower. <laughs> so, and so some of the guys, as they move towards uh, Easter, are, are behaviorally trying to change some things that only God can change. You know, there are ways that in the end seem right to man, but ultimately the freedom that we have in Christ comes through understanding that God's grace is a gift. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so as we come together to celebrate communion this morning, we're celebrating the freedom that we have in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, the apostle Paul writes this in verse 20. If with Christ you died to the, the elemental spirits of the world, why are you still alive in the world? Why are you submitting yourselves to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. He's referring to things that are all perished as they are used, according to human percepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, asceticism, or self-serving discipline, and severity to the body, but they are of no value stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so wisdom is the reality that we are in constant need of God's grace. 
there are things that we, we work towards, that we strive towards, that we, we pursue as we think about godliness. But at the end of the day, none of those are a replacement for the work of Christ on the cross. In the beginning of chapter 3, it says this, beginning in verse 1, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so he's celebrating the fact that because of who we are in Christ, when he returns, we will be with him in glory. But we're also living out this life and living it out to the full, the life that Jesus promised. Because of who we are in Christ, we can come before a holy God and celebrate the reality of who we are in Christ today as we look forward with eager anticipation to his return. And so as we come together to celebrate communion together this morning, we're, we're doing so in celebration of God's gift of grace to us. And so Jesus, when he was with the disciples, lifted that bread up. He said, this bread is reflective of my body, which was broken for you whenever you eat it. Do this in remembrance of me. And after he had finished eating, he lifted the cup up and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And so during this next song, we will invite everyone to come forward to participate in communion. And so if you have a relationship with Christ, we will invite you to come forward. Uh, you can pick up one of the elements. There's a cup with some bread and some juice in it. You can take that back to your seat. And as the Lord leads, you can just take communion during this next song. And then if you're unable to get up from your chair, if you just raise your hand, we have members of our communion team towards the back uh, that will bring communion um, to you uh, this morning. But as we move into this next song and this special time of celebrating communion together, let's do so with an attitude of understanding God's grace for us and the hope that that provides ultimately in this life and in the next as we eagerly anticipate his return. Father, we just thank you for this day you've given us today. God, we thank you for the gift of your son, that we can celebrate uh, your grace and all that that means for us in this life and in the next. God, I pray that you would steal our minds, that we'd be focused on the things above, that we would not be distracted by the things of this world, uh, but God, that we would have ultimately a sense of fulfillment in you and in you alone. God, we just lift this time up to you this morning. We lift our lives up to you. We look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so during this next way, just make your way up to the front to take communion.
creator you hold our hearts together there's no one higher than you redeemer defender our great and mighty savior there's no one higher than you you are always with us gracious to forgive us by your power we've been set free and lord we stand amazed in your presence astounded by your mercy and love our hands are lifted high in grace for me is always enough and there is no one higher than our God there is no one greater than you let my life forever praise the glory of your name there is no in wonder you reign in love forever there's no one higher than you your beauty your splendor your glory knows no measure there's no one higher than you you are always with us gracious to Astounded by your mercy and love, our hands are lifted high in surrender. Your grace for me is always enough, and there is no one higher than our God. There is no just how great he is. The fact that there is no one higher. Let's praise his name today.
stir all of our hearts. Just speak to us today. Be with Pastor Rich as he speaks. All these things in your name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Andy Suarez. I am one of your elders, and I'm really happy to see you guys this morning. Um, thank you for coming and worshiping with us. If you're with us online, thank you for being with us and worshiping with us. Um, yeah, I'm just... Music's got me going back there. I've been beating around to the beats in the, in the back, so I'm all pumped up. I'm excited about being here and being with God today, and um, yeah, I just want to welcome you all. Uh, let's start off with, there's a connections card on the row that you're sitting in. There's a, like a welcome slip there. Uh, if you want to share with us some information about you, this might be the first time you're visiting with us. This might be the thousand and first time that you're visiting with us. We still like to hear from you. We like to hear about your prayer requests. We like to see if you have any updated information. Um, if you're with us online, there's a place for filling out that slip at the top of the screen. You can give us your information there and share any prayer requests um, that you might have with us so that we can be praying with you or be praising with you if you're celebrating something. Um, we just had our annual meeting last week, uh, so if you, visit, if you were with us, if you were partaking in that, thank you. Uh, this is really a celebration for us. Uh, we had several things that went through. Some of the highlights, though, we did affirm um, our elder board candidates. Uh, we did affirm our 2023 budget, which is cool. Um, we talked about we paid off our parking lot loan. This is really cool. We got a parking lot loan, as you guys probably all know, in, uh, during COVID, and it's already paid off. Like, it's just... God showed up there, so it was really cool. Uh, we got to celebrate that. It was, it, was a, it was a great time together. We got together, had some food celebrated, and so it was really cool. Um, one of the things that's part of that 2023 budget is we are, we're in a conference with uh, Converge uh, churches, and one of the things that it's Converge Mid-America, and one of the things that was in our budget was to be supporting other church plants that are out there. And so through that approval of that budget, one of the things we get to do, which is kind of cool, is uh, we're helping out a church that's in Belvedere, starting up in Belvedere, Illinois, and one that's in Kentucky. And these are church plants that are going to be starting, going to be ministering to their neighborhoods, and uh, we're really excited to be able to support them. We're sending checks out to them. Um, you guys might know about Informed Choices. You've seen the baby bottles that are out there. We just thank you for supporting. That's one of the ministries that we've uh, aligned with. Um, they're very intentional about um, educating people on pregnancy and on what their options are and such. And so we've been really excited to be supporting them. You guys have been grabbing baby bottles. If you grabbed a baby bottle, uh, please bring it back by next Sunday. We need those back. Um, if you haven't and you still want to, I think there's still some out there. You can grab it on your way out of here today. They're looking for if you've got coins or cash or checks or whatever it is that you might be able to help out uh, with that ministry. I know that they're more than welcome to uh, be able to receive that from you. So thank you. Uh, Pastor Rich is going to be out in just a moment. Enjoy the service.
Hey, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad you're here. Have you ever been to a party and then you showed up and like you were the only one dressed up? <laughs> I looked at her, hey, where's your t-shirts? I wore my t-shirt this morning. <laughs> we had a fantastic time at uh, No Regrets uh, yesterday. Guys, just raise your hand if you were here, if you led. I just want to thank all the men that showed up for that. It was a fantastic event. Yeah, our leadership team, Pastor Matt, Darren, Joslin, the whole leadership team did a fantastic time. Uh, with uh, no regrets, and so we're looking forward to uh, what God has for us the rest of this year, as well as our No Regrets Conference next year. So it's a great opportunity for guys to get together to be encouraged as they focus on all that God has for them. Uh, we are in a series called uh, Walking in Wisdom, and we're moving through the, uh, the book of Proverbs. And so we opened up uh, last week with Proverbs uh, chapter 1, and it said this, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction to understand the words of insight, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise that wisdom and instruction. And we saw last week from Proverbs that it's an important book. Proverbs is important because of who wrote it. God worked through the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, to give us these words of wisdom to live by. We saw that it was important because of its purpose, that we might know wisdom and instruction. And we saw that it was important because of its focus. Proverbs focuses us on God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so Proverbs is a really important book. And so I uh, hope you're enjoying the study guide if you've picked one of those up and the reading plan. Uh, looking forward to what God has for us as we move through uh, this series together. The book of Proverbs, as we looked at last week, has got some structure to it. Those first nine chapters are designed to help us understand what wise wisdom is. And then uh, as you go through chapters 10 through, uh, really through 30, we see some principles uh, for living. And then chapter 31 provides us a, a summary uh, of, of the book of Proverbs. And so Proverbs are important. They're, they're wise sayings that help us to live wisely. What Proverbs is not is a book of promises. And so as you read through Proverbs, it's important to understand that they're principles to guide us in living rightly. They're not promises. For example, Example in Proverbs 22, uh, verse 6, when it says, Train up a child in the way he shall go, and he shall not depart from it. You know, many times as, as Christian parents, we look at a verse like that, we say, Well, I trained him up, we're done. And so, but it's not a promise because as children get older, they become adults, they, they have the freedom to make choices, and so God's given us the ability to make choices. But it's a, it's a principle that as parents helps us to understand our responsibility for training our children up. That if we train them up rightly, there's a way that, that they have, it's an advantage over the world. And so it's not necessarily a promise, it's a principle that helps us with understand parenting and helping us understand the importance of helping our kids understand who the Lord is. And so Proverbs has this structure, and, and so we're, we're looking at the introduction, and then next week as we move through the rest of this series, uh, we're going to be looking at some principles that we can apply to our lives as we move through uh, the book. And so we've got some resources available for you. Um, so out in the uh, lobby, we've got that Proverbs study guide. And I know many of you have already picked that up. And so if you want to pick up a study guide, that'll track with this series. We're going to be going through this series uh, through March 12th. And so it's never too late to jump in. So if you're here and this is your first weekend here, welcome. It's never too late to jump in on Proverbs. On our website and on our app, uh, we've got some resources available for you. We've got some study guides. We have some reading plans. Uh, we've got some bookmarks. We have a lot of resources that we want to help equip you as we move through this series so that you can get the most out of it. There's a lot in Proverbs. 
You know, we talked about the 31 chapters. It could be a 31-week series. We talked about the number of verses. It'd take you, if you meditated on each verse in Proverbs, one a day, it would take you almost three years to finish meditating on Proverbs. And so there's a lot of, a lot of good content in Proverbs. And so we want to take a kind of a bird's eye view of some principles that we can apply to our lives. And so we've got some resources to kind of help you with that. And so uh, if you're interested in reading along with us um, in one of those reading plans, I'd encourage you to, uh, to sign up for that um, as well. And real quick, I know uh, Andy mentioned um, our church planting uh, activity with seeing some churches planted in our area. I got a, I got a text last night from uh, our partner, uh, the Timothy Initiative, and uh, he told me that um, uh, just based on this last 12 months, um, that the Timothy Initiative has seen one new church plant every 17 minutes. Every 17 minutes, there's a new church plant. And that, that, that's huge. That's huge. And so we're a part of we're a part of what God's doing, not just in our community but around the globe. And I just want to take a moment to thank you. Uh, for your support of this ministry that enables us to host No Regrets, that enables us to support church planting, that enables us to help people in our community understand their need for a relationship with Christ. Through these church plants, um, as they reach their communities, they're serving widows and orphans. Uh, statistically, one person commits their life to Christ every minute uh, through these churches that are being planted. I, I pray that for our church. <laughs> God, give us favor that we would see other people in our community come to their need for a relationship with Christ. We have 350,000 people in a circle around this church. Go five miles either direction, 10-mile radius. 350,000 people. And so it's my prayer that our ministry would be effective at helping those in our community understand in the same way their need for a relationship uh, with Christ. Our No Regrets Conference was uh, absolutely uh, fantastic, as I, uh, as I mentioned. And uh, we have our Women's Aspire Conference coming up soon. But yesterday, we hosted this No Regrets Conference there were speakers and workshops that were designed to equip men uh, to be disciple makers in their home, in our community, in our church, in our world. And so, men, I want to thank you again for those of you that have served. Uh, one of the speakers in the workshop that I attended was uh, Mark uh, Batterson. Um, he wrote a book called Win the Day. And there was a quote that he, uh, he shared in his uh, workshop that really stuck out with me. He says this, to one degree or another, all of us are Pavlonian. We have been consciously and subconsciously conditioned our entire lives, and much of our behavior is dictated by those conditioned reflexes. And so as I was listening to him going to talk, I, the one thing that stood out in my mind is that when you think about decisions and choices, and that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. It's about having wisdom with the choices that we make. This, just this passage, kind of, this verse, kind of, it's not even a passage or verse, to remind us, this quote kind of points us to the fact that there are some things in our lives that we've been conditioned in our responses as we respond to the things around us. And so some of the choices that we make are, are conditioned. You know, so not only do we have to understand what God's word says and what the culture would teach us, and so that's a knowledge issue, but there's some heart issues that need to be addressed as we think about how we have been conditioned in our decision-making. You know, wisdom is, has to oversee and help us to overcome those things that we've been conditioned to. And there are, when it comes to making choices, uh, areas where we desperately need wisdom. You know, sometimes there's some bad habits that we need to just get over, right? We need to identify and we need to work on so that we can make those right decisions. That Pavlonia effect is, is uh, it's, it's conditioned responses to situations. You know, we were in this uh, workshop and um, you know, I walked out of the workshop, and I'm kind of thinking through this, and I walked into the lobby, and, and you know what I saw in the lobby of the ministry center counter? Donuts. 
I came into the workshop said, okay, I'm going I'm to watch what I eat. There's going to be snacks. And so I'm standing out in the lobby, and I thought, okay, my condition response was, okay, I want to go check out these donuts. I need some wisdom in that. So it's an intellectual thing going on in my head. I really don't need the donuts, but you know, those donuts look good. And so I'm trying to make a decision. But my conditioned response was, hey, I need to get over to the ministry center counter to look at these donuts. And so I'm standing there and, you know, <laughs> looking at the donuts. It had to be comical because I'm standing there looking at them and it's all going through my brain. And, and so uh, my good friend Todd walks up and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to go get one of those donuts or not. And he goes, well, let's just go look at them. It's like, dude. If I get, if I take one step closer to that table, if I get any closer to those donuts, you know what I'm going to do, don't you? I said, I'm going to get one out. I'm going to pick one up. I said, let's just not go near the table. He goes, oh, good idea. And so it was so encouraging because I had a friend of mine come alongside of me. Sometimes when we're making decisions, there's biblical wisdom that we need to, we need to be aware of, but sometimes we need good people around us. And that was a picture of the body of Christ. You know, we need to encourage one another in our decision making. There's some intellectual decisions that we need to make about what's right and wrong, but, but we need each other. We need to encourage one another in our walk. Wisdom seeks out wise counsel. And so we're not going to look at that through Proverbs specifically, but it was really encouraging for me just to think about, you know, what does it mean to overcome these bad habits in our lives? And that's one of the struggles that we all face. We all struggle with these, these feelings and these habits. And so we intellectually know what we should do, but, but we have to overcome our feelings and our habits to understand what God's best is for us. I had taken a picture of uh, the guys that had uh, come together, and I was really surprised. I think we, it, was, it was under 100. I think Matt, uh, Pastor Matt said it was probably around 70. But I took a picture. It was just it was so encouraging to see guys worshiping. And I went to Instagram to post a picture on, on our Springbrook page. And you know what popped up when I got to Instagram? I got this popped up. Jessica wants to be my friend. And so I thought, okay, well, I don't get on Facebook or Instagram all that often. But here I am. I overcame the donut problem. And so I'm looking at Jessica's wanting to follow, you know, she started following me. And she's like, she's looking for serious relationships with an honest man. And, and so I got to tell you, guys, you got a behavioral issue. So we, we know what's right, don't we? We know what we should do. But there's times when these things work against us. And I, and I don't know who Jessica is, but I would just encourage her, hey, if you're looking for a serious relationship, posting that picture and looking for that on, the, on Instagram is probably not the place you're going to find one. And so that, that's designed, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull us in. We get pulled in to making these decisions, and, and sometimes we know what we should do, but we struggle with making the decisions. We need to overcome. We need wisdom in our decision-making. And here's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom, uh, uh, you know, by itself, uh, education is not going to produce wise people. And so wisdom is, does not come about as a result of an education. Education by itself does not produce wise people. We know all know a lot of educated people that just make unwise decisions, don't we? Wise people are only found when righteousness has been prioritized with learning, when there's a desire to be more of what God has for us. We need God's word and we need others in the church to produce you know, wisdom in our lives. You know, we, we, wisdom is something that we grow into. You know, we want to, we want to, we want, you know, this, 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 this is, I needed some guys around me to say, hey, man, do you guys get these? Yeah, I get these things. We're constantly bombarded by these decisions that we need to make. And we, and we need to make godly decisions that are wise. And when you think about, you know, the Bible versus culture, you know, what God says about, you know, things like sex and money and marriage and gender and work and relationships and grace and power and freedom and hope 
and love and life and death. Pick a topic. If you go to the back of your Bible, many of your Bibles will have a whole list of uh, glossary of words that you can look up to see what the Bible has to say about these things. Every single one of these things has a worldly perspective. And Proverbs calls those folly. There's, there's folly. There's and it described as a woman as well. And wisdom is, is lady wisdom. And so these are not gender terms that, that Proverbs is assigning uh, to these words. They're really more reflective of the structure of that language. And so uh, many guys, you know, I had, a, I had a 68 Chevelle. And I tell you, she ran so smooth. It was really fast. So we have a ship. And so we have things that we assign gender to in our English language. Um, that usually refers to, you know, masculine or feminine. But in Hebrew, um, those, are, those are classifications of literature language. They're resolved in poetry. And so, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about folly. You know, there's a woman of folly that would describe things from a worldly perspective. And then there's the lady wisdom, a woman of wisdom that would point you to righteousness and, and godliness and, and, and making right decisions. And so when you think about things in our culture, there's, there's clearly a, a difference of perspective between what the world teaches and what the Bible teaches. Has anybody discovered that besides me? <laughs> it's messed up out there. The world is fallen and broken and sinful and in desperate need of Christ. And then experiencing more of what God has for us, the world would tell you something completely different than what we find in Scripture. And so when you look at Proverbs, Proverbs was trying to help us understand the difference between the folly of this world and the wisdom of, of God's Word. And this, and this collection, this collective opinion of our culture and what the world says is folly. Wisdom is only found uh, rooted in biblical instruction. Everything else is uh, folly. In Proverbs chapter 1, we saw the contrast of, you know, the difference between folly and wisdom. You know, beginning of Proverbs in 10, it says, you know, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And so there's, there's things that are fallen and broken in this world. There's enticement that comes from things of this world. And you know what's interesting? is that you cannot be enticed by anything that you don't want. You know, you can't be enticed by anything that you don't want. So look at this T-shirt. Don't you guys want this T-shirt? Eh, who cares? Look at these shoes. You know, those, is that enticing to you? How about, this, how about this piece of paper? Ooh, you don't want that. You know, those things don't entice you. The things that you are enticed by are the things that you want. Love, relationships, sex, marriage, love, grace, we're enticed by the things that we desire. And so the world would take those things that are, that are healthy from a biblical perspective and put the wrong slant on them and pull you into folly, to the world's understanding of what those things are. And, and, and Solomon says, don't consent to those things. Wisdom cries aloud out in the street, in the marketplace. She raises her voice. You know, God's word calls out for us to live this way. And we can't consent to the things that are falling in this world. And so there's a contrast just with regard to our, our, our decision our decision making. And as you move through chapter 2, there's a contrast with regard to our behaviors. There are men whose paths are crooked, whose ways are devious in their ways. They're not doing things legally. They might be making lots of money. They might be affluent. But there's things that they're doing that are wrong. You know, there's men whose paths are crooked and they're, they're devious in their ways. Don't do that. That's folly. You need to walk in the way of the good and to keep the paths of the righteous. And so there's a contrast in our behavior with regard to how we live our life. In chapter 3, we see the contrast in terms of how we respond to others. You know, don't envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. 
And so there are people that respond inappropriately to others around them. And he says, don't envy those guys. You know, stay away from them. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. Her ways are made of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. And so we want to live as peacemakers. And so there's a contrast with regard to how we respond to others. In chapter 4, we see a contrast between the way that we live our lives again. The path of righteousness is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And so with regard to how you live your life, we're to walk in the light. We're to walk in a way that our lives are transparent. There's character. There's integrity. You know, and, and the relationships that we have are genuine. And, and we're to walk in a way that our path is lit ultimately by God's word. And so there's a wise way for us to, to walk. Don't walk the way of the wicked. That's like darkness. They don't even know where they're going and they're stumbling around. So as you move through Proverbs, there's this contrast of how we're to live our lives. One is the way of folly and one is the way of wisdom. In chapter 5, you know, we see the contrast in our relationships with our spouses. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife, wife of your youth, a, lover, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Our, our wisdom would say, I'm going to find all that I need in my relationship with my wife. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with forbidden women and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? And so it's contrasting with regard to our marriage. That's, that's an underlying principle that needs to, to, to guide the way that we have relationships with our, with our spouse. You know, when my wife and I got married, we've been married 37 years now, and uh, I, got, I got that image of her walking down that aisle in that wedding dress, and I can remember standing there, and I'm thinking, I am the luckiest guy in the world. And she was walking down that aisle. She was the most beautiful bride, and that image is seared into my mind. And I remember 37 years ago, we used to joke about, hey, one of these days we're going to be old. <laughs> Things are going to start to sag. We're going to look a little differently. And so we joked about that when we were younger. But then you start getting older, and then it starts happening, right? <laughs> I can remember we'd look, we were looking through some pictures the other day with the kids, and like, oh, Dad, look at all that hair. <laughs> I was thin, too. I had a construction job. and was out in the sun. You know, we were, we were a good-looking couple. And then you get older, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, what happened? It's easy <laughs> to me, not to my wife. Because <laughs> she is so good-looking. <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> Thanks for the clarification on that. <laughs> Wisdom is rooted in understanding the nature of our relationship. And guys, I tell you, I, I know so many men that I'm talking to, and they're going through life, and they think they want something different, and, and, and it's like, you are not going to find anything different on the other side. You know, I don't know what it is about that. You get married 20 years, 30 years, and all of a sudden, you know, you know it's just like, hey, I'm, this is, I want that wife of my youth again, and they, they physically start looking for something different, and they've forgotten the wife of their youth or their husband of their youth. You know, we need to be rooted in realizing that God has blessed us and find all that we need in our spouses. Why should we look for someone that is forbidden? Don't do that. You know, in the context of marriage, it takes a lot of work to, get, to, to keep a marriage working, doesn't it? You know, we said I do on October 19th in 1985, and I tell you, on October 20th, we started working on that marriage. <laughs> marriage takes work. But if we live a life of wisdom, we're going to continue to find our fulfillment in that spouse. And we work on our marriage. We work on our relationships. 
You know, don't go for those places that are forbidden. There's nothing that will deceive you unless you want it. And so we need to keep our eyes focused on wanting more of the Lord in our life. We need to keep our eyes focused on wanting more of our relationships. And we need to keep our eyes focused on the wife of, wife of our youth in, uh, our, in our marriages. And in chapter 6, we see this, this contract, this contrast on, on the way we even view work. You know, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. I actually, <laughs> our kids loved ant farms. I, I used to, <laughs> ants are kind of fun to watch, actually, if you, if you watch. But they're always working. Every once in a while, the only ants that stop are the ones that are waiting for, I think, a queen to be born or something. Ants are working, always working hard. And uh, he says, you know, consider their ways and be wise. Without having a chief, an officer, or a ruler, that ant prepares bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. And so she's working with some intentionality. How long will you lie there, O sluggard, when you arise from your sleep? And so he's contrasting our work ethic. He's contrasting what does it mean to live a life of purpose versus haphazard living. And so as you read through Proverbs, as you start to move into these principles, as we're going to look at as we move into chapter 10 next week, we're going to see some principles for living. But Proverbs in this introduction is helping us to understand the contrast between what it means to, to live a life of wisdom versus a life of folly. Today we're going to be in chapter 8 of Proverbs. We're going to look intentionally about the blessings of wisdom but chapter 8 is really contrasted with, uh, really with Proverbs chapter 7. And so if you brought your Bible with you, turn with me for a moment to uh, Proverbs chapter 7. Um, Proverbs chapter 7 refers to folly as an adulteress. Um, it talks through, uh, um, you know, the warnings against uh, those types of living, the warnings against, um, you know, living a life of folly. It's got some pretty explicit language in it, and so I'd encourage you to you can kind of read through it um, on your own. Uh, but beginning in verse 18 of Proverbs 7, it says, Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. And so in this inappropriate relationship, he's talking about the temptation that uh, his son would face uh, by someone that is pulling him into an inappropriate relationship. And verse 18 says, come let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. And what's interesting about this is there's, there's nothing wrong with love. You know, love in and of itself is a good thing. God loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his son. I love my wife. I, I love my, my children. And so love in and of itself is not a bad thing. And so from a biblical perspective, there's, there's a wisdom way to understand love. But it gets uh, perverted from a worldly perspective when she says this in verse 19, for my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he's going to come back. In other words, he's going to be gone for a while. And so I'm inviting you into my home, uh, into this relationship where we can experience this thing together. And from a biblical perspective, that, that's not love from a wisdom perspective, but it's folly. And so he's talking about being pulled into an inappropriate relationship. And then beginning in verse 21, it says this, with much seductive speech, she persuades him with her smooth talk. She compels him. At once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or a stag is caught, you know, fastened with an arrow until it pierces his liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. 
And so there's nothing inherently wrong with love in the context of a marriage between a husband and wife and you know, a man and a woman. And so love has got a biblical perspective on it. But then it gets perverted by our world. And the impact of that perversion is death. And, and it's, in, it's enticing to the son. He says, be on guard that you're not enticed by that. And you know, I mentioned this earlier, but, but you cannot be seduced by something that you don't want. And so this seductive speech comes about as a result of desires that we have that find fulfillment in folly, in things of this world. And so I don't know you know, what you're struggling with this morning or what are some of the things that are enticing you. I know, I know that from a financial perspective, um, these are difficult times. I know that our economy's, you know, struggling. And, you know, I was talking to my uh, kids. Uh, one of my daughters uh, is looking for a house and she's got a house and, and um, the house she's looking at is like, well, this is, this is what we can afford. And I, I told her, I said, sweetheart, I said, I said, I have owned eight homes. <laughs> I, Carolyn and I, your mom and I have been married for 37 years, and, uh, and we have moved a lot. We've owned a home. We've sold the home. We've rolled some equity in there. And so, so we, we, we have a home now, and it took us 37 years to get this home. Now, my kids grew up in that home, and so that's what they know. I said, so you are, don't look for a home that is accustomed to what you have because it took us 37 years to get that, and it's going to take you 37 years to get to that place as well. So, so start with a place. Make a wise decision. As, as you and your husband talk about finding a home, start with what you can afford. Don't be enticed. Don't be seduced by, by what's out there on the market. I have never bought a home that I wasn't talked into, oh, you can spend a little bit more. The bank will give you a little bit more. Well, I know they will. <laughs> the bank will give you however much money you want. And you know what else? So will the credit card company. Don't be enticed by those things. You know, and because those are things that lead to destruction. You know, look at, you know, it, it, there's things that in our lives that, that vie for our attention. And if we're not wise, we're going to get pulled into those things. And so as you move into chapter 8, you know, Proverbs talks about the blessing that comes from, from wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and fools despise that wisdom instruction. So we need to keep our eyes on, on the Lord and, and, and being, letting him be sufficient. You know, that's where wisdom comes from, is being rooted in who we are in Christ and understanding what the Lord has for, for us. Wisdom is there. It's, it's not in this world. As we move into chapter 8, um, Solomon will write about the blessings of wisdom. He says, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals. She cries aloud, to you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of men. You know, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination uh, to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteousness. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They're all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And so wisdom is elevated to the extent that there's nothing more important than living a life that fears the Lord and is living out wisdom. Those first three verses of Proverbs 8 
Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? And I get this picture of, you know, we, there's so much good stuff in here. Get in it. Read it. This is awesome. And I get this picture of just of all the good things that come from reading Scripture. And I, 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 and I think about my morning and what happens during the day and the things that pull me away from this. And the Bible's constantly pulling me back to it. I think about all the things that I could do on Sunday morning, but, but I'm called to being a part of what God's doing in the local body of Christ. I think about what I could do with my Thursday night when small group's meeting, and, and the world pulls me over here, and I think, you know, but I've got to make time for my, for my small group. And I think about all the things that pull me away from what God would have us as we encourage each other to grow in the faith. Wisdom calls. It raises her voice. It takes a stand. You can't get around it. It's the heights beside the way at the crossroads. She's taking her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of all the portals, she's crying aloud. You can't avoid it. But for some reason, we just bypass it. Wisdom says, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to make wise decisions, and I'm going to consult God's word. I'm, I'm going to talk to fellow believers, and I'm going I'm to try to live a life that is focused on making God a priority, and I'm not going to be pulled into the folly of this world. That's one of the blessings of wisdom. She calls to us. God wants a relationship with us. He wants more for us than we're, ex- than we're experiencing now. God wants more for you than you're experiencing now. And it's found rooted in his word. You know, he would go on to say in verse uh, 6 and 7, here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. What comes from my lips is what is right. From my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. You can trust whatever's in here. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's in here, so I'm going to do it. You know, many times we try to explain the decisions we make to somebody. It's like, I prayed about it. This is what God's word says about it. I've studied this passage. It is right. And sometimes we have to take a stand on what is right that is completely counter-cultural. And sometimes that comes at a cost, but it is right. And so sometimes we do what we need to do because we know it is right. God calls to us to make right decisions, and wisdom comes rooted in the reality of the fact that God's word is steadfast and true and unchanging, and it is right. And that's where wisdom comes from. As you move into verses 8 through 11, the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted. There's nothing crooked in them. They are straight to him who understands, and they are right to who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than gold. You know, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare to her. Nothing compares to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Nothing compares to the surpassing knowledge of what I can find in Scripture. This world offers me nothing better than what I find in here. And so I make this my priority. You know, I focus on on who I am in Christ. I focus on the reality of the Holy Spirit working in and through me. And I make sure that I'm rooted in God's Word. And that's where wisdom is found. And it's a difficult life to live. You know, just five minutes before I walked out, to teach on Proverbs. I had a conversation with somebody and we were talking about, it just, everybody seems to make it seem like it's so easy to do. You know, I listen to people talk and, and, and it just seems like, you know, making decisions, you know, when I hear you guys talk, it just seems like it's something that's really easy to do. How come I can't do that? You know, we all struggle. And I had to, I had to share. I said, look, there are, there are things that, that I still struggle with as well. I need to, I need, every time I see, I have to guard my eyes. I'm constantly having to guard my eyes. I just, I constantly have to watch where my eyes are going. And guys, that's, that's just what you have to do. And it doesn't go away. That's the funny part. You think, okay, I got it under control. And the second you put your arms down, boom, you get hit with something else. 
you know, living out the Christian life takes discipline. The longer you do it, the easier it gets. It's that Pavlonian response. Our, our behaviors start to change. Things get easier. The more you do what's right, the easier it becomes. But there's always those things that are going to tempt us, which is why we need each other, which is why we need to come together and encourage one another, why we need to study the Scripture together. This is so important what we're doing. And then, and then the part of this is helping others to do the same. So we exist to reach our community for Christ. We want to help others to know about Jesus. And then, and then we want to help build passionate followers of Christ. They're living their faith out and helping others to come along on this journey. And you know what? You never achieve it. You're constantly working on it. And it's worth it. There's blessing that comes from wisdom. We know that there's security that comes from wisdom. There's security that comes from knowing the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. You know, our freedom is is a result of who we are in Christ and what we find in in this word. And that's where real wisdom comes from. And nothing compares to that. So what does this mean for us today? As you read through Proverbs, we're going to be looking at some principles. What it means for us today, ultimately, is Proverbs also points us to the reality of who we are in in Christ. Proverbs points us to the reality of who we are in Christ. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, Paul is writing about uh, the person and the work of Christ. He says this in chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, "'For the word of the cross is folly to those that are perishing.'" The word of the cross is folly to people that are perishing. They desperately need Christ. Wisdom is calling to them, but it's folly to them, and they are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wise, the wisdom of the wise, and discernment of the discerning I will thwart. For who is the wise one? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not, has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God. Through wisdom, it pleased God through folly of what we preach to save those who believe. But then in verse 27, he says this, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are are not to bring nothing, uh, that things are into being, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus who has become to us wisdom. There is no wisdom apart from who we are in Christ. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who has become wisdom from God, righteous and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Christ has become our wisdom. There is no wisdom today apart from who we are in Christ. You know, we have the Old Testament law, we have the Old Testament Proverbs, there's some great principles for living, but ultimately it points us to the reality of who Jesus is. He is our wisdom. And that's where wisdom comes from, rooted in who we are in Christ. Let no one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that's a quote from uh, Jeremiah chapter 9. In Jeremiah chapter 9, God is pictured as the one who would need to punish uh, these deceitful people of his. It actually pictures him weeping and uh, wailing and lamenting the destruction that's going to come on his people as a result of their disobedience. Reflective of God's heart in Second Peter 3.9 where it says the Lord is slow to fulfill his promise. Not, not as slowness as we count slowness, but he wants none to perish. And so God's heart for us is that we would, would come to him. 
And so he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, not in their own wisdom, but in him. And so he points us to the reality of who we are in Christ. And so this, this, this passage is talking about our steadfastness. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord who, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight and declare the Lord. And that's what we see in Christ. Christ has become all of those things. He, is our, he has become wisdom for us. And it is there that we find the security that we need when it comes to making choices and living out this life. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that if, if you're looking for wisdom, it starts by understanding your need for being rooted in a relationship with Christ. That's where it begins. And if you have a relationship with Christ, it's one that we're continuing to grow towards Christ's likeness as we study and apply and live out his word in our lives and encourage one another to do the same. And so we've got these resources available for you. And so I just want to encourage you as we go through this series you know, to take advantage of some of those resources and to make this, uh, this series one that is life-transforming for yourself. And, and so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want, to, we want to help you to cross that line of faith. If you've never identified with Christ through baptism, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to help you find a small group where you can be encouraged in your faith. And so, so we want to help each other, you know, move away from the donuts at the ministry center counter. <laughs> And we want to help each other grow in our faith and become the people that God has for us. So uh, just be praying with me as we move through these next few weeks uh, that God would draw each of us closer to himself and help us to be able to become men and women that are living out wisdom and fear of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for this uh, day you've given us today. And uh, God, I thank you for your word that is steadfast and unchanging and life-changing. God, I thank you for... um, just for our friends that have gathered together today that are either watching online or here in person with us, God, that, that your spirit would continue to draw uh, each of us closer to yourself. God, we look forward to what you have for us. Um, and uh, God, we just pray that you would continue to guard our hearts and our minds uh, in you uh, for your glory. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we celebrated communion, where we celebrate Christ's death. But we can't leave it there. We've got to take him out of the tomb because he is our God. We spoke yesterday at the conference about how in Acts 2, where Jesus had kept rose back from the dead, and they're all standing there on the mountain, and he takes off into the sky. And these guys are standing there, and two angels come down and like, dude, what are you guys doing? Why are you standing here gazing? This Jesus who went away will return the same way again. So let's stand and sing one more time about our Jesus and the fact that We are waiting for him to come because he is still alive. See the tomb where he lay. See the stone rolled away. He is risen. He is risen. See his hands, see his feet, touch his scars and believe he is risen, he is risen.
sounded great. <laughs> and now, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit uh, be with you as you go throughout your day. Thanks for being with us today. Be blessed.